Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Clark. For the last decade, I've had the privilege of learning from impactful leaders across the globe through my service in the Peace Corps and nonprofits. Their leadership has inspired me to highlight those among us who are truly impacting our world so that we may learn from them and be more impactful together. Yes, leadership can be learned. The guests on our show are providing direction, inspiration, and leading the way in their business and community through service. Are you ready to have an impact? Welcome to the Impactful Leaders Podcast. Well, Christopher, not Chris, <laughs> thank you for coming today. Um, Christopher is the founder and owner of House of Heralds, which is a boutique, boutique multicultural Atlanta-based PR firm. So Chris, thank you for being here today. Happy to be here with you, Andrew. Thank you for, for the invitation. Appreciate it. So when it comes to a PR firm, that sometimes is a big word for people to kind of break down. So can you put in your own words exactly what you do with your PR firm? And then what does that entail for, in layman's words, I guess? Absolutely. Um, it's funny that you say that. So I'm also, in addition to owning my firm, I'm also a professor. Um, at Kennesaw State University and Columbia University as well. So, and um, it's the first week of classes. So um, one of the things on day one, I always tell them that PR is one of those, is one of the careers where there's so many definitions and there was over 500 definitions of what PR means to different people. Um, and if you're watching like reality shows or television shows like Scandal or Emily in Paris, um, everybody just seems to be doing something different than what it actually is. But, um, but ultimately PR is, um, in my words, um, is PR is the management of relationships. So it's uh, being able to uh, develop those relationships on a client or a product to have uh, with constituents and stakeholders um, to ultimately get them to take action in some way um, or to bring about awareness. and. Um, that's pretty much what the job of a, a practitioner in the PR field it ultimately does. How long have you been teaching now? I, I didn't wasn't aware that you were a professor as well. Yes, um, I've been teaching now for two years. Um, this is my first year um, teaching undergraduate. Um, so it has been a journey um, for sure. I, I love, I love, love love my students. Um, they're very eager to learn. They're much different than graduate students where they come in and they kind of want to see the immediate ROI, right? They want to make sure it's applicable <laughs> to what they're, <laughs> like they immediately want to want you to show value just like in a corporate setting, right? Um, but I've been doing it for about two years and um, I love it. It's, um, I was bitten by the bug, just, just understanding how important teaching was and, and, uh, education was for me and in, in doing this business and being an entrepreneur. So um, I think it was a the, the best path. <laughs> that makes so much sense now. So for the person listening slash watching this, Christopher and I met through the United Way of Atlanta VIP program, which is a nonprofit, <clears throat> excuse me, nonprofit like board training program for 10 weeks. And you were always so concise and you're always so good, like careful and like articulate with your words so the fact that your professor teaching this it only makes more sense that it's all coming together now <laughs> um listen I, that is that, well thank you for that i appreciate it and then how did you get into 
what brought you into marketing slash PR first, I guess? That is the funny story. So I did not want to do marketing. I did not want to be do PR. I, it was a happen chance. I kind of, it was a happen chance, like a happy accident. Uh, one that I'm very thankful for. Um, I actually wanted to be a producer. I wanted to be a news producer. I love the news. I love storytelling. Um, and I really enjoy being able to connect with people and highlight mm -hmm. those, uh, those human interest stories, right? To kind of connect to the people. Um, I applied for a uh, long story short. Um, I applied for an internship at uh, Viacom, which is MTV. And I remember submitting my paperwork and it was in 2012. And they told me, well, you're gonna, we granted your internship, you know, application. You have, we've awarded you a summer internship here in New York. I, um, but um, bad, I guess bad news, but good news is that you're not gonna go to the production department, you'll go to the PR department. And I was like, oh no, PR is full of like, what, like, uh, girls and women, like this is a very dominated industry. Um, there's no minorities in there. I thought I want to be a part of the, where there's tell the story so they can highlight, um, I, I can really bring visibility. I said, I know people they should be talking to. And someone, the coordinator at the time told me, if you want to be able to help tell stories, you have to be able to help control the narrative. And PR mm -hmm. is storytelling at its best. We tell the producers actually what they should be talking about. And I was like, oh, okay. I still don't believe you. I, I'll come, I'll accept the internship and I'll come to New York and I, and I did my thing. I was so fortunate um, to have that, that first internship in New York for a summer during corporate communications. Um, we worked on everything from like the BET awards, VMAs. Um, it, would also, it was also a summer where um, I think it was the last summer that I think these interns, the interns at Viacom kind of went on strike for a non-paid internship. So it was from that summer on, uh, although we didn't get paid, every internship after intern <laughs> that came there after that, they got paid, but it was for, it was for that social justice, right? And us being out in that, in the streets, just kind of talking about how being a paid, um, an unpaid intern was was so um, just demoralizing, but uh, it was a great experience. And um, ultimately I came back from that internship um, and they offered me a, a part-time role as a junior publicist. And so I went on to do some award shows for them um, during my senior year of college. So I was navigating college in my yeah. final year with my capstone. And then I was also interning, I was still, that role had converted to a part-time contract position um, supporting their PR team because they, uh, PR as you'll find is a very high turnover. It's, it's a lifestyle, it's something, if you, you can burn out really fast because there's mm -hmm. so much going on. Um, you're always on, because news is, you know, I tell people what's, what's always breaking and, you know, it's, it's always news, right? It's always some breaking news. Um, but that is ultimately how I kind of found my way in TPR and, um, I've, I've been there since then. So, yeah. <laughs> so what, if you were so reluctant to go into PR and sort of <clears throat> the marketing side, when that person offered you the intern or recommended that you go for it, what was it in the end that really made you take that leap of faith? Because that's like, like, if you're doing an intern, you could, you only have that one summer, 
that really that yeah. one chance. It's not like if it didn't work out halfway through, you go back and redo it. Like what was your thought process while going through with that? That's, that's a really good question. Um, and I've never, I don't think I've asked it like that, but uh, myself like that in reflection, I think mm -hmm. what it was is that I understood that that summer, I'm, I'm very good at observation. That's one of my, key, I feel like one of my key strengths is like observing. Um, I like to listen more than I, I talk. Um, I, and one of the things that I, I observed that summer was that there was a challenge between PR and marketing to figure out who owns social media. In 2012, it was like, social media is going, Facebook, all of these social media platforms are, are birthing, like people are starting to really use them. Mm -hmm. And the question was, well, where does social media fit? Is it a PR function? Is it a marketing function? And for those who are millennials and obviously like digital natives, uh, we were like, well, it's both, it's, it's both. And so that kind of spearheaded my entrepreneurship um, journey because I was like, well, while they're arguing about across the hall with each other about who should lead the campaign, we are, me and some friends of my, my um, we went out to the festivals and we actually, we, we, we went out to festivals and events and we did our own, I guess you had that call that point we'll call it experiential marketing because we were out there collecting the data we knew the importance of data and likes and mm -hmm. shares we understood how the platform worked but you had some people you know at the you know and that that kind of sat in the ivory tower and they're just like they were just scared of this thing because they didn't know how you know how it would ultimately change our industry forever it was no longer just traditional television and print right it was it's it's now this digital um mammoth that there's uh, even to this day brands are still trying to wrap their hands around just how far they can get with social media yeah it's one of those outrageous things and now i saw just before we hopped on the call there's a gymnast out at L uh, lsu the university and yeah she has a huge following i mean she some of it I'm sure is like all spectrums of people, but she seems to, I think it's like 6 million people. So now when she goes to these meets, even if she's not competing, ton, like tons and tons of people are going. And now it's like, you can see LSU and then, and like the team, the university, the meet organizers, the NCAA are trying to yeah. figure out like, how do you navigate this? Cause now they can athletes, in college can use social media for their yeah. own brand and not, be, and not be uh what's the word i'm looking for here like criticized or yeah penalized i guess like build yeah you, you would Absolutely. it was against the law so it's going to be yeah. or, or exploited yeah yeah it's just going to be interesting right. what all plays out when with uh as laws change too you know mm -hmm. and then so you were going through this part. Did you ever think you were going to own your own business? I, owning my own business, I, well, I come from a family of entrepreneurs, or I don't know if you okay. call them entrepreneurs. I just feel like people who were not. Who, yeah, they were go-getters. They were not, they were not satisfied with just um, the status quo. My, my grandfather um, uh, came from, uh, was from Germany. He married um just bold um he, he was um 
uh, you know, my great grandfather came from Germany and my, my grandmother in the States. And then um, they had 12 children, but he's always had this very like, entrepreneurial <laughs> spirit. All of my uncles have, uh, you know, and, and have some type of business um, from like cars, transportation schools and like um, very industrial, you know, like guys with trucks and, and stuff like that. But, you know, and and construction, like everyone seemed to. So it was something that I was oblivious to because I wasn't I just know that, you know, hey, you know, my uncle is working, but I don't know what they do. Um, and they would take me along with them for like ride along to meet clients. And every summer I dreaded it because although I was out of school, I was putting on a baseball cap and I was getting my work, my little work boots. And I was like in the truck with them to go wherever they were going. And so, um, and I enjoyed that, but something about it also was that I understood, I learned how to build relationships. And I was like, I really like how they build the relationship. I enjoyed that part of them going mm -hmm. out and like telling people about their business or negotiating, seeing like negotiating tactics in like real time um for things um especially when it comes to our car like people are people i mean that's just i mean it's part of the business and when you see those things in action um it i thought about well i want to kind of work for myself too one day um and if you if you ask my siblings or my relatives my younger relatives are the same age of me that i whatever we would i don't know play kind of imitate or or but we would always i would always be the manager so i guess I don't know if you need a therapist, if I need a therapist because I like to manage things <laughs> and I like projects. Um, and that's part of my childhood, but I've always liked to manage projects and put on events and, and things like that. And so um, it has creeped into what I do now. I'm just, I just feel like I'm just doing what I've, what I was always meant to be doing now. Yeah. And then do you what do you think your purpose is too? Be uh, when it comes to the firm, we spoke a little bit off camera and uh, we were sharing notes and you talked about you want to serve the stories of some underrepresented uh, communities and want to create more equity and tell some of those stories. But can you elaborate a little bit more on what is the purpose with your firm before we dive a little yeah. bit more into some of like the challenges and the goals and the different things of being an entrepreneur in that space? Yeah, um, some of the, you know, when I when I thought about owning a firm and I said, well, I got this, I have this opportunity now to do something, to build a legacy. What kind of legacy do you want to build? That was one of the, like, the immediate question. Uh, one of the things that is daunting for a lot of clients that come to my agency to do, but I always, I try to, I push them through it is to say, well, when you write your, you know, we all, we, we are born, born to die. And between that that time that you're born and you die, you die, there's a dash and you have to fill that dash with something, with things that are purposeful. And I asked them to tell me, what do you want your eulogy to be? Like, what do you want um, when you, ultimately the, that destination is in front of all of us. Um, and so what do you want, if you were to plan it backwards, again, very in a producer way, you, you think about the feeling you wanna leave people with, what is that feeling? And um, as daunting as it is, um, it, it's a remarkable opportunity for them to kind of really reflect about, to prioritize what's important to them. And um, when you're doing that, what helped me find my purpose, I obviously had to do it. Um, I wanted to be a person of impact. I wanted to be able to, uh, specifically for the firm, when we're looking for, to partner with clients, my, my firm has a unique um, 
approach where we try to focus uh, only uh, with purpose-driven brands. So if those uh, brands are purpose-driven or mission-driven, um, they have some sense of community is when mm-hmm. we partner with them. Every brand, every every client that we've had has a uh, altruistic uh, mission and purpose to uh, be a part of the community and they have um, a great track record of doing so. That's one of the screeners for us to know if we have to go in and tell people how important the work they're, they're, they're doing or if those people are going to bring us that energy and then we can yeah. just manage the energy and match that energy <laughs> because it's really I'm serious because it's really hard to sell someone on uh, something they're starting from the ground if they really don't have a purpose or a passion for it uh, because entrepreneurship and business, um, no no matter how you spin it, is going to be a very, it it can be difficult. There'll be challenging times. None of us saw saw COVID coming, uh, right? And things like that. Um, But to have that purpose, you'll always be, reinvigorated when you take that time to slow down and think about things. So finding clients that are purpose-driven has been uh, one of the things that we've definitely used as a lens to uh, identify clients, uh, prospective clients, and our current Mm -hmm. clients. What are some of the other opportunities? Because I do love that you don't want to have a bunch of clients that if they're not pushing the messaging you like, if they're not bringing the energy, not saying they have to give you the energy, but when you're working on those projects, yeah. it's going to make the work easier and it's going to make it more enjoyable when it's more enjoyable, it comes Absolutely. out better. And it's just this whole momentum. Yes. Um, yes. So the purpose, yes. the energy and sort of the stories that they tell, what are some of the other classifications? What do you else do you use to screen out those new opportunities that you come across? Absolutely. Um, one of the things Another thing besides them being purpose-driven is uh, making sure they have representation. Uh, We, my firm is full of black and brown people. Um, I worked in corporate America for some time and I remember what it felt like to be um, the only one or the one that had the most, um, you you know, uh, knowledge gaps. And I understood, I understood my assignment. I was like, if I'm here and I'm learning this, then I'm going to make sure that I take this back so I can be able to educate others on how to get here too. Um, It was like, I'm not, although I'm the first, I don't want to be the last, Uh, you know, we've, we've, uh, I feel like we probably all said that at some point in our careers, but I really and truly meant it before it was a thing. Um, And then it wasn't until, um, and it's, it's thankless work. Um, There are no, stars or badges to do that, to be that person, to be that pragmatic person in the room to kind of advocate for those people on those, on their behalf. That's just a choice that you have to ultimately make within yourself. And so for me to be able to do that uh, whenever I was afforded opportunities and to reach back to friends and colleagues and people that um, students that I've met, you know, along my journey, um, that was far more rewarding to me than actual the the incentives and the access it was like if you if you bet on my agency if you bet on us you bet on me then I am going to make sure that I reach back and and point your you know your resources and whatever you need to know into the right direction Um, and so um, I leveraged that I didn't take it for granted that I had been able to to, be very fortunate if you will to work for some very um, powerful fortune 500 companies when I started out um, and I took what I, what I knew, um, and I leveraged it in my own business. And I think it going on, uh, 
what you just said there, I think something that also speaks to what you're doing is if you are teaching at these two schools, um, Columbia and then Kennesaw, like those are two very different places. Uh, you, you can imagine the types of students, I don't want to like stereotype yeah. kind of the students, but in, there in yeah. Kennesaw, you're going to get a different level of kind of classroom and setting. So I think the Absolutely. fact that you are giving back to those through education is like, speaks that you are practicing what you preach there um, as well, not just in the business, but in your own life. And then, so you talked about working with some of these Fortune 500 companies. When you're working with them and then when you're trying to open up your own firm, what were some of the barriers that you just had to knock down and that you were facing? Um, and then how did you navigate that? Absolutely. I there, there were there were lots of barriers. Number one, um, that you you don't know what we don't know um, when it comes to launching a business and starting a business. Um, and once you know that, unlearn it because it's something else new. Um, so um, I felt like a Jedi every day uh, for Star Wars fans out there. I felt like a Jedi every day because I would learn something and then I have to unlearn it quickly and learn a new way. And so um, if you're not someone who enjoys learning entrepreneurship was not is not for you um but working um when i realized that i had that responsibility one of the immediate things for me um, was to understand the importance of pushing myself i no longer had a mid-year or an annual performance review i had to Right, develop my own mm -hmm. um, KPIs for myself personally. Um, I no longer was over the mantle of an organization that had prestige and um, unlimited resources. I had my own debit card. Um, and so, and it has limits. <laughs> um, and so there was me and I said, well, how do I make the best of what I have? And so um, at, at each account every client that I had I was a, I had to be a good steward of what was giving to me I had to manage it properly I had to get up I had to motivate myself every day to be able to make sure that um, it brought forth other opportunities and so mm -hmm. I really I can't encourage like I encourage everyone to start a business so you can develop that that self-starting some people don't think don't know like some people think they have it because maybe it's in their job description but until you're in a space where you you can't see the future and you and you're doing something with the hopes that it will reach someone who looks like you or is a part of your community and you do it thanklessly because you know you taking a sacrifice on the forefront will open those doors um i, I call it seeing you know, uh, seeing that person in the room before be before you actually see them, um, that I had to find that motivation somewhere, and um, it wasn't given. So you you have to really dig deep, um, think about your values. You're no longer you're no longer under the again the mantle of an organization that has these dedicated pillars and, and values. So understand your values because you're going to work within your values, and it'll keep you on even on the roughest days you knowing your values will always keep you back in line you'll know how you know where you need to pull back because one of those those values is being challenged or is being contested right right now and so knowing your values is really important did you say you you weren't sure where you if you had that motivation that's part of the reason why you had to jump into this did i hear that correctly 
Yeah, I was. I was. Yeah, I, so I wasn't sure that I that I could do it beyond beyond those performance reviews. Right, I was waiting for. I was giving over my career um, to you know your your manager and your boss to say, well, I'll do what I'm supposed to do here, right? And I and maybe it'll get me a promotion. Maybe it'll get me into the job that I want. But when I took that back, I took back my power and I said, well, regardless of whatever their measurements of success looks like I have to have build my own and so through entrepreneurship I've been able to develop my own compass my own uh, plan for you know success and um, it's now now if you know there was an opportunity then I can just there's there's my plan and then there's a consideration of the other person's plan for you how do you build that though because like I'm sort of in the same boat I didn't think I was ever gonna be in this situation. I never imagined myself here. I, if you asked me even four years ago, I would have said, no, like, I don't, that's not for me. I know what you're saying. And I haven't been able to fully articulate exactly that motivation like that. I I know what you're saying, but I can't, I don't know how to word it yet. Like, how would you word that plan where yeah, how would you word word that out? I don't even know how to phrase the question because it's such I haven't heard that before, but now that you're saying it, it's like you are describing a feeling that I've had. And I've yeah, tried explaining yeah. even the feeling, and I just I can't. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and it's different. Um, it's different for everyone. And what it really boils down to is identifying what's important to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. That was that was number step first step in my process is identifying what's important to me what um, if you break it down um, I forgive me I don't know the uh, appropriate uh, name of the framework but it's like what are you doing now that you enjoy Mm -hmm. what are you want to be doing more of like how if you had more time what would you like to be doing more of uh, mm-hmm. And what things you want to stop that you you know and you you need to stop doing because it's taking more time away from you, and that literally was how I was able to do, uh, build the plan um, to make sure that I was no longer doing the things I want I didn't want to do right, but the things that I wish I had more time to do they were considered and they were built into my long term strategy, and then the things that I love I learned how to, I built the resources or I went out and got the resources so that I can be able to do more of those things uh, more often because they brought me a sense of, mm. uh, you know, support and contentment there. And so that's really, I would say, no matter what your situation is, every situation is different. Um, being able to kind of chunk it up into those three, um, those three categories is a way for you to try to kind of look at the patterns, you know, between the two, like, well, if I'm spending, if I, this is, pull, this is a time suck for me, um, it's eating at my time, but it's, it's also preventing me from doing this that I love, um, right? So you have to make those connections. So, yeah. um, you know, spending some time pausing, uh, learning the power of a pause. Um, one of the things I love to do um, every year at some point, it's not always at the first of the year. Everybody says, "Well, you know, it's the first. It's New Year, new. You you, you go. <laughs> you're supposed to do a vision, a vision board." And I'm just like, "No, your year starts when you want it to start." Mm-hmm. And for me, typically in the springtime, uh, when I feel um, that's typically when I take like a weekend. I call it a vision weekend, and I have a vision weekend, and I literally go through every bucket of my life, and I start to 
assess those buckets and say, okay, this is family. How do I want to show up for my family? Or this is my career. Or what things that, you know, what were some of those wow moments? What were some of those challenging moments in every facet from family to work, to career, um, to relationships, like all of those things, put it in buckets and literally write what were the defining moments? What were those challenging moments? And making sure you, for the, as you plan for the next year, it kind of gives you almost a, uh, uh, it lays it out, you know, write a, write the vision and make it plain is, you know, what House of Heroes is all about. It's like when you write that out, you then are able to um, see what, you know, there's patterns or there's work that you, that you need to do. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to touch on as well is for if you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And you said you have to unlearn it. For you, how did you how do you even get there? Because it's so hard to acknowledge that, okay, I know that I don't know this, or I think I don't know that I don't know this, but then kind of erase that whiteboard in our minds to be able to like kind of draw, write whatever it is in there. Like, how do you go about that? Like, how did you go about that when you were starting? Doing what you're doing now, talking to people, like literally <laughs> having one-on-ones, is when I would get the information and I was like, that's good. And I would write it down or I'd go back and I'll investigate it later. Um, and I, in that moment, I didn't fall myself or, fall, uh, or blame myself or shame myself for not knowing it. Mm-hmm. I accepted that I did not know what I didn't know. And then I then went on to educate myself and fill in those gaps um, with either, either, you know, research that, supported it um, that I could read further I can read on uh, or with finding other experts um, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm big on like talking to people um, and finding out their stories obviously PR it kind of goes with the territory but you know but finding other people I do one-on-one often every like weekly just if it's something I want to know I interview people that 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 journalism degree is, you know, is, is yeah. awesome because, <laughs> you know, it's like, it, if you need to know something, you just interview people and you try to find out what it is. But um, sometimes get just take them to a coffee, invite them to a Zoom, you know, and just um, keep, stay curious. You have to stay curious. And that was, and, and, and you know, we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but, you know, when it came, came to hiring people for my, my agency, I, they have to show some sense of, curiosity and I think that's that's a trait that is not everyone doesn't have it some people have like I know everything I'm a know-it-all right but then there's there's curiosity which is so I don't know there's something humbling about curiosity that it just it's warm and it's welcoming and people want to share um so having that that keeping your curiosity um open to learning new things is is really important I think part of it is the vulnerability of admitting that oh you don't know I mean I think the human condition just we automatically try to protect ourselves by showing that we're not weak or not knowledgeable and then in the long term we the that vulnerability that we're trying to hide is the real connection so it's a it's a real shame trying to block that stuff but um how do you decide who you're gonna interview like research ask the questions how like when you talk about that kind of leads into mentorship like how do you find that mentor how do you find that person even if it's not going to be a mentor but a like a one-time sit down and then how do you go about it because especially 
let's say if they are somewhat introverted too, like how that can be a lot to just for myself, I can just kind of go out there and I'll throw myself out there. You know, like I explained some situations I was in earlier Yeah, talking yeah, to random yeah. people in the street, but what <laughs> advice do you have for people in that? Yeah, no, like you said, no, learning if you're an introvert or extrovert, I like to say, I like to tell people I'm a trained extrovert. Um, mm. I, I've taught myself the, the, how to be, what my capacity is, right? And if I need to step away to recharge or come back to a situation. Uh, so I feel like I'm a trained um, extrovert. Um, but when it comes to identifying whether or not I want to take a, you know, an interview with someone, I look for vulnerability. Uh, so mm -hmm. you, you said it, so we were kind of going in that direction, but yeah, I look for them being vulnerable, number one, them being curious, and then just having that, um, I look for grit. I look for no matter if you are getting likes or if you are dead, if you are dedicated to doing that thing, whether or not it's you know you see immediate return on it, I like I like those type of people. Like I enjoy talking to those people, um, and then also just going back to vulnerability. I, I I know that there's a perfect way to do it, but when you're when you're telling people stories and you're trying to connect to people tell me about the time where you messed up and you didn't get it right like those are those those actually i promise i won't tell anybody it's like just tell me that you know it, it wasn't perfect because if you tell me if you sell me this this truth about you know your version of the truth or what it how it all you know fell in place then i, I I have questions. Like I'm a journalist. I wanna I wanna poke holes in that because I know it was not that easy. Um, but I think we learn better from mistakes. And so I I, I have this philosophy, even in the agency, is you know, fail fast, fail hard. Um, like, you know, fail because you're constantly, but no matter what, fail forward. And you're you're failing forward. Every time you fail, you, it's another step forward. You're you're going in a forward motion, you're not falling back, you know, you're falling forward. So you know a way that's not the way ultimately, but just share that learning with someone else so that um, you, they can make an educated decision about what they desire to do next as well. And then when you are, I'm, I'm assuming that you have found some sort of mentors along the way. Do you use those same qualifications to decide if you're going to ask someone to be a mentor? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I want to hear I, I look for that vulnerability, them sharing those stories, their their comfortableness, them being comfortable and sharing their the, the, those moments of weakness is is literally a screening process for me to say, okay, I can take this to them because they've shared their feelings publicly, and that's something that I I know I am not really good at doing. I'm very reserved. It's not it's not my style. Talk about this as an extrovert, but you know I'm an extrovert. I I don't mind speaking to people, but um, I, you know, I am, you know, natural, very private person. Um, and I, and I'm more of an observer as well. So I just kind of take that seat, but I look for <laughs> those who have those characteristics that I want to weave in, um, yeah. to, uh, weave into myself. And so, yeah, that's exactly what, what I do to, to pick those mentors. And I've been very fortunate, as you mentioned about mentorship, I've had so many mentors, um, along the way, every step of the way, um, They've, they've shown themselves to me in every 
um, inch of my career, I, they've revealed themselves. And, and, and every time, sometimes it's not a consistent, like we follow up and check in every day, but knowing how you give back to that mentor-mentee relationship is also important. So if you see something um, that you feel like, hey, I feel like this is perfect for you, or me using opportunities to bring them in on like consulting projects and say, hey, I just want you to be an advisor. A lot of my advisors for some of the projects we work on um, I said, hey, I just want to bring you on in a, in a, you know, in a observation state. I want you to just, I just want you to be in the room and, and see what's going on. But I include them even in my business, um, just because I, it gives them an opportunity for them to talk about a project or a success story or a project they were advisor to. And so um, if you're, if all of my mentors know, like you're, I'm always going to include them in everything that I do. Um, so it, it's really good to have multiple it is very important for you to have multiple mentors uh, so you can hear diverse perspectives. Um, and again, just and be willing to know what you're going, how you're going to contribute back to that relationship, because um, I think we live in this society where it's always we're giving with our hands closed, but we have to learn how to open our hand as well and give if it's our time, if it's us being observant and supporting someone, promoting someone else's work. Um, we have to learn how to um, give back, you know, in those relationships too. We can't have them just pouring, pouring, mm -hmm. pouring because no one wants to mentor anybody where they just they're they're being they're pouring more than they're actually getting back. Um, so just being mindful of what you have. It, reverse mentoring is a, is also a thing. So if you can offer some them some support with like navigating social media or anything, whatever your talents are, like offer those back to them um, in some way. Interesting. I think a lot of people don't necessarily think about that too, because when you think of mentorship, I usually think of it when kids are, when we're a bit younger, probably in college in that range. So you don't yeah. think about giving yeah. back to the person that you're going to for advice, but that's, yeah, that's good. And then it almost seems like you, you're a trained extrovert you necessarily didn't think you had the motivation slash you were going to start your business, like all of these things, like it almost, you have all of these barriers that were kind of set up, whether if they were self-made and, and not, um, what were some of those other challenges that you reached that you had along the way while starting this uh, agency up? You know what? It was the I, you you said you, like I think every you kind of know this like I, you've already said it, but just like it definitely was. Not only was there like education, like being able to um, make sure I know what what I'm saying, I know the vernacular, I know the language of the land, right? Um, but you have to skill up, and so understanding where where I fell short in my knowledge and where I needed to fill in those gaps was well, something immediately important to me in becoming an entrepreneur. Um, mm -hmm. Also, some other challenges was understanding. Um, you know, I uh, I didn't come. I wasn't fortunate. I, like, I wasn't fortunate to have you know where my parents gave me you know things to start my business like they didn't give me resources yeah. to start my business until they knew that it was a viable business then they then now I can ask them for things but but now but as of right now when I remember looking back I took my own resources right and that was a challenge because I was using 
I was burning my candle at both ends. Um, and because I was literally using a job to finance the dream mm -hmm. and, you know, and it was, it was burning me on both ends. And so one of the things that was important to me was to say, well, I have to, I don't want to be in this place again where I'm, I'm out of, like, once I, once I'm off the clock and I'm working on something else, um, because I, I, I had to do, I had to not set myself up for failure anymore and, and make sure I was doing something I really enjoyed doing. I had to follow my passion. Um, and I, the, the ultimate barrier was understanding, um, there is no perfection and you can't be like, there, like there, you won't be perfect, right? At doing this, you're going to, you're going to fall. You're going to have challenging days. You're going to have um, highs and lows. Um, someone was saying, well, if you have highs and lows, that means that you actually, um, you know, you, you're alive, right? Because um, if you, if it's flatline, then you're, if it's mid, between the middle, then you, you're not, you're not living at all. And so I and so appreciate learning to appreciate the peaks in the business, um, the, the the valleys of the business where you're where there isn't, you know, uh, lots of calls um, and, and learning the seasons. Um, that was also something that was really important to me is learning the busy seasons, like learning the system of like this is going to be a busy time of year for people. This is where RFPs and proposals are being made, deals are being made. Um, this is where people, it's a blackout period. No one is kind of touching anything. People are uh, going out of town for the holidays or whatever. Mm -hmm. So learning learning those things um, helps you pay attention to the market. Um, and ultimately being able to understand that th sometimes things happen outside of our control. Like uh, again, we had a pandemic that we experienced um, and not letting that be um, the the point where you stop learning and you stop thinking about how can you can grow and scale your business because in that moment it should be if we would have rolled up our sleeves and say you know hey um or just closed everything down and say hey i'm out like we wouldn't have made that was a that was a record year for for me and in, in the agency because um the multicultural marketing people saw it it was a need for it right um it was a need for those types of comms and communications the need for that type of creativity um and that support and there's been a renaissance literally of a lot of, you know of every brand like just pumping that into be it for good or for you know personal for their own you know um attention but you know it there has been a demand for it and so to be able to be in a place where we can meet that demand and we can uh point out other other um, businesses and other creatives who could support them with that demand and give them an opportunity. Um, again, to, again, going back to what what start why I started this in the first place was to make sure there was more you know black and brown faces at those tables. Um, we yeah. saw we saw the we saw the backlash of that not being being the case in a lot for a lot of brands. And so, um, and rebranding is expensive. It is very expensive to do, um, to rebrand things. And so for a very long time, uh, we had these narratives that were out there. So now being able to, from my agency and partnering with other agencies to do this work is um, very fulfilling, um, although the, it does come with its challenges. No, I love that. You kind of already touched on, <clears throat> excuse me, my last question is we kind of have gone through how you got there, some of the low times, like how you got through them. And I want to end on a happy note. And you kind of shared how you, what brought you through those moments to get to these 
um, gratifying moments, but what what has been the most gratifying moment of doing this? I mean, it doesn't seem it's not the money in that year. You did exceptionally well, you just shared, but I'm sure it's more than that. It's bringing some of these faces, but could you tell a specific story about one of your most gratifying moments? Yeah, um, <laughs> one of my mentors, um, Kai Wright, one of the things um, is also a former professor of mine. He shared that, you know, one of the, uh, he's an advisor to some celebrities in the industry. And um, he also said that a lot of the, um, is Diddy. So he he's an advisor to Diddy for Revolt. Um, he's uh, affiliated with that team. And one of the things that he always says is that, uh, a lot of leaders keep smart young people around them. And I was like, hmm, mm -hmm. I can understand that. And when I started, because mentoring is just so important, and I was very fortunate to make my first hire, um, um, my uh, brand manager um, and account manager, um, Alaric uh, Riley, I brought him on uh, just you know over the pandemic. And we were able to do some really great work uh, we, we recruited interns from HBCUs and were able to give them an opportunity to get their feet wet on some really Holy amazing um, client work. And, you know, one of the things that I love about it is that they were all, you know, black and brown faces. And since then, since this internship um, with us, they've been able to land jobs. And I remember not being able to put a agency on my or uh, someone who who gave me a chance like I literally applied for it for a role right I applied for an internship in New York but I remember I was like what it's like for them to have that stepping stone so they can get those jobs and yeah now that they're they've graduated and they have their job like there is one intern I'm gonna shout him out um I definitely have to shout out he was one of our first interns um Nixon and Benice says he's actually at University of Iowa. He was like awarded some prestigious award just because of the multicultural work he's been doing there. Like, and he he always talks about how his work with House of Heralds working on different accounts. He would always bring up things like, um, we have to make sure that we're designing something for those that are colorblind. And I was like, what? And he was just wise beyond his his years, but he was helping <laughs> us, giving us insight. And we're like, and we were able to do a campaign where we ultimately made sure that there was, you know, consideration to those that were had those disabilities. And so it was like, how did you see that coming? So again, keeping those fresh perspectives around you is so important. Um, and just hearing the because they it's ultimately going to be their world, right? And so to have them in the room as we continue to build these new narratives and we be able to create this new. Um, post-COVID world was is, is so rewarding um, to see them thrive, see them find an opportunity um, to find the connections, but then the experience of aha moments for themselves through doing that work, that meaningful work, um, and go on from there. So um, that is the most rewarding thing for me is just to see them see them win. That that's what's that's what keeps me going is when they're winning. Um, I love it. Um, it just makes me just want to, you know, find more opportunities to bring other people on. I, I love that. Um, I, I love that being in a position to do that. Yeah. I love that. That's the perfect way to end. And I, I can feel you saying that too. I mean, 
we met during the VIP nonprofit board member training. So I know like you're active in that side. You're doing education, not just at the, like the, you're not just choosing like the prestigious school up in New York. Like you're not the downgrade. I kind of saw, but it's like, yeah. you're, you're doing everything. And then you're also giving a, uh, these black and brown faces an opportunity to lift them up into like a next, like give them that stepping stone. And not just the yeah. stepping stone. It's not like you're just bringing them in and saying, hey, just like use our name. It's like you're in there using the education side again and then oh, yeah. helping oh, them yeah. launch, like launch pad off. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, if people want to learn more about House of Herald, if they want to follow you, if they want to reach out to you, what is the best way? I'll make sure to have the details in the show notes, but for those listening. Yeah. Yeah, you can visit our website um, at houseofherald.com. Um, you can also visit, uh, I'm on LinkedIn at uh, Chris uh, Armand. I'm also Chris Armand on Twitter, underscore, uh, and also on Instagram as Chief Chris Armand. Well, thank you so much, Christopher. It has been a pleasure talking to you, and I'm sure we'll be meeting again in person soon. Yes, we will. Thank you so much, Randy. I appreciate <laughs> hey, it. Thank you. Thank you.